Today, my name is Evelyn Aka. I'm the founder and managing lawyer of Aka Business Immigration Law. We are based in Calgary, Alberta, and we have two offices in Toronto and Vancouver, Canada as well. I focus primarily on cross-border NAFTA immigration law for professionals as well as families and individuals looking to move to Canada or move to the United States. I would like to welcome you to my podcast. It's called Ask Canada Immigration Lawyer Evelyn Aka. Today I'm really excited because we're going to be talking about study permits. And study permits are... Um, really an interesting time at the moment because people are looking forward to planning to get to come to school here in Canada and they want to know what to do what to expect what the timing is and so today on our Facebook live and on our ask Evelyn Aka immigration lawyer podcast we're going to talk about all things study permits at this time we're getting lots of people asking for help for study permits and I want to go through the process so that everybody understands what you need to do and then after this, if you have any questions, feel free. Please ask as we move through. In Canada, we call um, the, the document you need to be able to go to school legally a study permit. And this is a document that allows students to enter, get a visa, as well as an electronic travel authorization, and to start their academic life in Canada. Um, and so it, before you can start a school, as long as your program is longer than six months, you must get a study permit. There are some, some variations of that where if it's a program that's less than six months, you can enter Canada if you have a visa and an ETA if you need one, and you can do that short-term program. Or for instance, you're already working in Canada and you want to take a side, a side course, three to six months, max six months, you don't need a, new, a study permit document for that. But anything to typical, such as um, a one-year program, a diploma certificate program, or a degree program, master's, PhD level, you need a study permit. The most important thing when people call our firm, ACA Business Immigration Law, and ask about study permits is, I always ask, have you been accepted? Because we can't help you get acceptance into a program. You must be accepted into the program in advance, and you must make sure it's a designated learning institution. So that whole piece of it is driven by you directly with the academic institution across the country that you want to go to school for. And so, you know, usually when people come to us, they've been accepted, and now they need to know, how can I get the study permit so I can start right away and come to Canada and start my life? So we'll assume in this discussion that you have already made sure that the school you're looking at is a designated learning institution. This is really important because a DLI is an approved school by immigration for attendance at school. And if you end up at some other school, because there are some schools that are like um, maybe language schools that may not even be on the list or schools that are a little different outside of the norm, if they are not on the designated learning institutions list, you will not be eligible for a study permit. And sometimes we get those people who contact us and it's too late. It's after the fact. And it's incredibly stressful to find out that the school you were hoping to attend isn't even on the list and therefore you're not eligible. So I'm going to really, um, really hammer home the issue of designated learning institution. Those are the schools that have been approved by um, Immigration Canada. And because they get federal funding, and they're recognized as an actual academic institution of some sort. So 
You get the acceptance to school and now you have to start the process. You have two choices when it comes to the study permit process, depending on where you're located in the world. You can apply online or you can apply by paper, by mail. So once you have the ability to prove you can pay for school, this is really important. Um, sometimes people will reach out to us at ACA Business Immigration Law and say, I've been accepted and can you help me get a fellowship or something? We don't do that either. You have to be able to afford the school or you have to have obtained the fellowship or scholarship or bursary. That's all with the institution. That has nothing to do with immigration. So that is one of the prerequisites for immigration for your study permit is you have to be able to show you can afford to live in Canada, you can afford to attend school in Canada, and that you are in good health because there's also medical exam and that you um, there's no criminality that's going to bar you from entering Canada. And so you would also provide um, a criminal record check as a part of the process. So one thing I really, really love about the Canadian study permit at the moment is that they changed the laws probably about five or six years ago because we want to keep our, our academics. We want to keep the people that come to school here. They're going to be wonderful contributors to our growing population. And so the study permit allows you to work. So long as it's one of the approved study permits, it allows you to work part-time during school up to 20 hours a week, which is really great because that also helps you subsidize going to school. And it also um, allows you to work full-time during school breaks. So this is something that really, really makes a difference in the lives of students coming to Canada. You can work off campus 20 hours a week max, or you can work on campus as well the same amount of time. Um, and during breaks, you can also work full time, which is 40 hours. OK, so that's something to really think about. So one of the obligations you have when you do your application is to be truthful. There's a lot of, there are a number of forms that people complete. You need to be able to provide proof of income and proof that you've got enough in the bank and or family support by way of a letter, by way of bank statements. We have to be able to show how you can afford to pay it. You also must include the, the cost of the tuition because that will be a part of your application. Usually that's in the acceptance letter and the, the confirmation that you've paid it, usually at least the first year or the first semester at the very least to show that you can meet the requirements and that ongoing you can meet the requirements. Um, because so many things have happened with, um, with students over the years, one of the requirements to be able to continue in good standing is you have to continue your studies. You cannot come to Canada, get a study permit and not go to school and then hope that you can rely on that for future renewals or for work permits down the line. You must finish school successfully in order to move beyond the study permit stage. And I'll talk about that um, as you move through this again. So let's just say you have your acceptance letter, you have a valid passport, and you have a travel, you know, or a travel document. Um, you have proof you can support yourself and or your family members who come with you. This is a really key thing I want to say. If you're married and you have children and you are being accepted into a program, and I can say that we've brought people who are in their 50s even to come to school, depending on what makes sense. If it makes sense, it fits into some of their education um, and their work experience already, and it's just maybe a graduate degree that's, that's piggybacking off of what they're already doing, we can get a study permit as long as we can show it makes sense 
from a, a career perspective for that person to want to advance in their careers. And obviously with the study permit, the intention is you finish school, then you go home at the end of it. We'll talk more about what happens after, but that is the intention you come into the country with. If you have family coming with you, you have to be able to support them. And so there is a financial requirement that you as the primary person and applicant who gets the study permit, your spouse is going to be eligible, which is wonderful for an open spousal work permit. And that means, yes, that spouse, if they get a job, they can support the family, but you have to be able to show you can support the family at the front end not after you come to Canada. And so that means whether it's family letters of support, proof you've sold property, whatever the investments are that you have liquidated that are in your bank, you must be able to show that. Then you can apply with your application online. With the forms, there is a fee for the study permit. It's $100. And then you'll probably have to do biometrics as well, which is $85. You get asked to do biometrics after you've applied for the application. And biometrics are fingerprints and photos that are used for security checks as well. Then you will also be asked to do medicals because you will be coming for more than six months. You, you and all the adults coming with you, so let's say you and your spouse, will have to do medicals to make sure that you don't have any issues or concerns from a medical perspective that will affect your ability to enter Canada. Something that the government has created recently is an online program for those people applying for um, study permits that are in the countries in China, India, the Philippines, or Vietnam. It's called a student direct stream. And it's a way for people to apply for um, the study permit because they're coming from those countries. There's an expedited process for that, and they can do that directly through that stream. But everybody else from the United States, from other parts of the world, they will do the normal online application. And once the process has started, they will also be asked to even do maybe language testing. Depending on the course you're looking to do, I'd recommend that you already have done the language testing because most universities and colleges want to ensure that you can, that you can qualify and that you will be able to understand what they're saying in school. And so that means you must do language testing, you must meet the minimum standard so that you can be accepted into the program. If you don't meet the minimum standard, some schools will allow you to take a year of English advancement, enhance your knowledge of English, so that you can move then into an academic program after that year of training. So really need to think ahead. I usually say to people, it's now July 25th, pretty late to think you're going to get a study permit to start school in September unless you're in a country that you do not require uh, uh, consular processing and that you can even be processed at a, at a port of entry. Like American citizens, it's not too late. They can meet the requirements and apply at the border or at the airport. But for all other people from around the world, they must be looking to apply, give themselves three to six months in advance, lead time, before you come to Canada, knowing that it'll all be done for you, okay? So you apply for the study permit, and then what happens is you, um, you'll you get asked to come in sometimes even for an interview. It depends on the, the consulate. They have the discretion to, to make you come in for an interview after you've done the biometrics and the medical to satisfy them that you speak English enough to be in an academic school setting and that you understand it and that you have the means to support your family. These are the main requirements when it comes to um, study permits in Canada. And as I said, depending on the, the course, a study permit can be one year, 
It can be two years, it can be three years, or it could be four years. They give you the study permit based on how long your program is going to be. So they give you that that um, that program um, for the study permit. And then what's so great about it is once you're approved for a study permit, you will get a letter of introduction um, and approval from IRCC. It is not your actual letter of approval. It basically says you've been approved. However, it's not your study permit. Most people need to actually kick that study permit into gear, either entering Canada, and then you'll actually get the document. But it's a letter of approval that you can use to travel, and you'll get your ETA as well so that um, you can actually get on the plane. That electronic travel authorization is something the government introduced now about a year and a half ago. It's now um, required for everybody except for American citizens. And essentially, it's a pre-confirmation that you can enter legally because there's no criminality in your past and there's no history of being refused visas in your past. So when you arrive in Canada, you will have your letter of approval for your study permit, the officers at the border will issue your study permit to you. And if you have family coming with you, they will get accompanying documents as well so that they can um, get, get the open spousal work permit for the spouse who gets to work while you go to school and um, full time and school must be full time. So depending on whatever school you're at, you need to ask them, is this a full-time schedule? It doesn't mean you have to be in school five days a week. It means that you have to be carrying a full course load. You can't be taking one course at a time. That does not qualify for a study permit. You must be in school in the maximum study capacity of credits. And each school is different. So I can't even say you need 15 credits because every school has a different credit system. But just make sure you speak with the international student advisors as you're in your application process and confirm that. Otherwise, you will not be eligible at all for a study permit. And unfortunately, what happens is once you've been refused once, it makes it much harder to get an approval the second time. So we always recommend work with a lawyer, an experienced immigration lawyer, um, or a very experienced regulated immigration consultant to get it right the first time. When you enter, if you have children coming with you, they will also get either a study permit or a visitor record that allows them to go to school. And that's something that we really we really encourage is that um, you want them to be able to have term or time in Canada, the same as you. So um, usually if you get, let's say, a four-year study permit, then your family will also have up to four years on their, their issued documents, spousal open sponsorship, or visitor record or study permit for the children. The children don't really need study permits. I find that if you process through a consulate, they will want the fees for the study permit for children, even though in Canada, study permits are not required for people, kids from, you know, kindergarten age up to grade 12 completion. It's only for post high school that you need a study permit. Sometimes if you are processing through the consulate, they still will ask you to pay the fee of $100. And, and it's unfortunate, it's a bit of a cash grab, but it is what it is. If you're coming from a country where you do not need to be processed at the consulate when you enter Canada, they will give the children their documents and it'll be for free. They will not charge for that initial document. So one thing I'd also say to you is that you don't get health coverage um, 
you know, generally speaking, as soon as you enter Canada. So people don't think about this either. It's very important. So sometimes we recommend that you be able to show that you have proof of medical, even if it's for the three months or the interim period until you may become eligible for the provincial health coverage. So they look at things like, again, health care. You have to be able to prove you can do that for you and your family. You have to be able to show financial means that you can afford to come to school. And so let's say you got a full ride scholarship. That would be something you would put into your application because that would then offset the concern as to how you're going to pay to support yourself. And maybe you're even able to line up a part-time job even before you come, whether it's on-campus bursary position or off-campus position for 20 hours a week. You want to be able to show you have the means. And then you want to ensure you don't have any criminality or any health issues that are considered so serious that they could make you inadmissible to Canada. This is the study permit process to come to Canada. Um, I'm hoping that this has been helpful talking about coming to Canada. It might be too late for those of you looking for September 2019 entry. It might be more realistic. And we're working on people who are coming right now into January. So there's lots of time if you're starting school. And depending on the school you're at, admissions can start at different times of the year. Some schools, I know some, for instance, massage therapy, registered massage therapy programs, they have kind of ongoing um, registration times where you can enter and start your program. Universities and colleges, however, usually they have maybe three semesters. So you must be starting in one of them and give yourself enough time to begin that process. At ACA Business Immigration Law, we love to help um, great, bright students from around the world move to Canada so they can start their careers of education here. What happens after school? This is really one of the great things in Canada that I really respect about our immigration process is that once you successfully finish your um, academic career, you are able within six months, You, as long as you apply within six months, you can obtain a, um, a postgraduate work permit. And the value of this is that the government recognizes that we want to keep those people who come to school here. They speak English. They've been educated in Canada. They're going to be working in Canada. Those are the great young professionals that we want to identify and find ways to keep them here. So although this is going a little bit beyond the, the, the topic of discussion, I will say that there is a postgraduate uh, work permit, and it depends on how long your program is. So if your program is one year, you only get a one-year postgraduate work permit. If your program is two years, you'll get a two-year postgraduate work permit. However, if your program is three or four years, you will get a three-year postgraduate work permit. And this is really great because it allows the young professionals, the people who've been educated here, um, to then move into careers that allow them to work in their field, gain Canadian experience, you know, um, earn a good income and start their lives and then look towards applying for permanent residence down the line. Once they've earned enough um, hours working full-time in a field that's related to their field of study, they can apply for permanent residence. And because they're young um, and educated, those are the ideal immigrants that Canada is looking for. And so we can certainly help you with that at ACA Business Immigration Law. I hope this has been very helpful. If you have any questions, again, feel free to contact us at ACA Business Immigration Law. And uh, for those of you listening on the Ask Canada Immigration Lawyer Evelyn Aka podcast, I hope you can also reach out to us with any questions once you've learned some more. 
I want to wish you all a wonderful day. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about my passion in terms of immigration law and um, the excitement of coming to school as a foreign student and making your life here in Canada. Wish you all a great day. Thanks. Bye-bye.